Haini pi haini pi haini pi Wajani wina, Jakishna, Hinikarigina, Anachni pi, Arajawira, Hinigirawi. Good morning from the land of eleven nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. Well, today in a podcast, I invited Matthew Mann back for conversations. Um, explains that uh, my podcasts are basically centered on politics, business, and money. And uh, he wanted a little balance. He wanted to talk a little bit about the people and um, Ho-Chunks in general. So I said, come on on. Secondly, John Warner wanted to come on and speak about an issue he's having with one of our legislators. Namely, uh, the removal of Darren Brinegar at uh, General Counsel. But um, first, uh, I was in contact with someone who uh, took umbrage at my last podcast. Uh, the one where I talked to Grants. And it was explained to me that I didn't do the topic justice, and that I left a lot of hard-working Ho-Chunk employees uh, disappointed and upset by my description of their work. Now, nothing could be further from my intended goal than to insult Ho-Chunk Nation employees. No, my target was for the nation to get a bigger slice of the grant budget from the federal government. Now, John Warner mentioned that these monies are owed to us through treaties signed by the United States government. My goal was to ask if it was feasible for the nation to hire four grant writers to look for and apply for more grants. Now, according to the information that I've received, our nation is funded by quite a few grants already. Social services, domestic violence is almost 100% grant funded. Uh, Children and Family Services has been recently active in attempting to cure funding, secure funding. Uh, DNR has applied for multiple grants. Our police department is grant funded. The uh, IT department is acquiring grants. Uh, Heritage Preservation has secured their own ways to generate revenue. Um, I don't know if that's a grant or not, but Ryan Grain and uh, Ryan Ryan Crane and Dr. Lewis uh, did obtain a grant for some services for children. Um, department of Labor is highly grant funded. Uh, the other grants throughout every department, uh, they're not published, but um, the BIA Green Books, they're online for everyone to see, and we do get a small percentage, but that isn't that. But that's just all the money that the BIA gives us. So I was wrong, but only out of ignorance. Okay, now that I've been educated, I'd like to ask, can we hire four grant writers and attempt to get more money from the BIA and grant.gov? Uh, when the Wuhan left, well, it left us in a really calamitous financial situation is what it did. Then I'm figuring sh- hiring professionals to assist us in secure funding for our nation is a good thing um so basically i'm asking for more grant writers um i'm told we're doing quite a bit of work by our um directors and a lot of our departments working on grants i think we're moving in the right direction but i would like to see us work just a little bit harder and if anyone else has any thoughts on this subject, just uh, contact me. Um, I'd like to learn more about what we're doing um, from the executives of each department. Um, I think this is a subject that we really got to bear down on.
Good morning, everyone. Today I have with me Matthew Mann. And uh, Matthew, you want to say hello to everybody? Hey, good morning, everybody. Um, hi, Nipi. Um I, w- I would say honey cheddar high pea, but we've really not seen each other. So, you know, that's what it means, honey cheddar high pea. It's nice to see you. There's good, it, it feels good to see you. Um, but it, it feels good to hear you. I mean, and then, you know, to the listeners out there, you know, um, you know, just kidding. Um, I, I had an Navajo <laughs> dig of that uncle that might, that, uh, came to visit, uh, earlier this summer. So, um, you know, uh, his name was Jackie Singer. Uh, and you guys, uh, he made relations, um, throughout different families here in the whole nation. Um, uh, and also, uh, he intermarried, uh, his daughter, uh, Antonina married, uh, Pierre Decora and they had a little Sir Eric, uh, Decora. So anyways, he stopped in and like, you know, I, I like saying that to him, yeah, yeah, you know, and then <laughs> the yate, you know, I mean, it's like good morning, I think. And then, you know, anyway, my Tene relatives out there that are, you know, half Tene and whole chunk, you know, yate, you know. But anyways, good morning, you know. How well, you doing? It's, uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, so we were texting back and forth a little bit, and, um, uh, hold on. We got a fire here. <laughs> hey. All right, we're just going to edit that. Um, <laughs> it really does. <laughs> no, my wife hates that because, like, we'll be in a store and, like, um, you hear you hear a kid just throwing a tantrum, you know, and then the parent doesn't know what to do with trying to ignore him, so shop, but the kid's just throwing a tantrum. I'll walk by and be like, whip him! <laughs> whip him! <laughs> and my wife will be like, knock it out! Knock it out! Alright, let me try that yeah. again. So, uh,. I texted uh, Matthew, and uh, we talking about um, some things on his mind, and I figured, hey, why not give him a chance to come on? And because it doesn't have anything to do with um, politics or money. So, um, if you got a chance, sit down, and let's uh, listen up. Uh, floor is yours. What, what's on your mind? Oh, man, like, uh, mental health. I guess it's coming down to mental health. Like, I was thinking about, like... Uh like us and I, I don't mean like like my family or anything I mean us as a people and like um, if I'm if I'm experiencing like mental health issues you know then maybe other people are also you know you know like I see this like divide within our nation you know and I I, I don't you know it's like we shouldn't be like that you know we, you know how you know then I looked within myself to see well because I had I had this brother um that passed away and one time he was he was telling me you know that um you know if there's something that you see that is wrong you know he's talking about when we we're when we we're in a in a, a name rate care ceremony and he was telling me he's like if you see something that's wrong you know it's a, it's a reflection of yourself there's something wrong with you and that's what you're seeing you know because it's supposed to all be good you know everything you know so if you take into that context that you know everything's supposed to be good you know everything and if I see something that I see is wrong, then maybe it's something with my own self. So that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, maybe it's just me, you know. So um, I don't know if people know this, but, you know, the whole Nation does have these behavioral health programs that are for mental health issues. 
you know, not just for, you know, just for, like, you get in trouble for, you know, drugs and alcohol or anything like that. They actually have these clinicians that, you know, if you just need somebody to talk to, you know, just somebody to, um, you know, just somebody to to vent your frustrations to, or somebody, you just need somebody to listen to, you know. And then they have these little um, activities that you can do afterwards, you know, like, this week, try doing this, or try doing that, you know. There's different things to address your mental health issues. Are these just face to face, or can we uh, do this over the phone? No, you can you can do it over the phone. I think uh, you can do an intake. You can call you can call the the clinic number, and you can do the. I think they even have a one eight hundred number um, that you can call. And it's not only for adults; it's also for children. Like we don't realize, like um, like my children have been with me through this pandemic. Uh, my youngest daughter was really cool because, like, every morning she'd be like, hey, Dad, you want some um, eggs and hash? Or, you know, she, like, maybe breakfast. Like, I got really spoiled her with her being here, like, every day. And then all of a sudden she's like, I want to go back to school. I was like, oh, okay, you know. So, you know, she she stayed here throughout the pandemic. My oldest one, as soon as they were like, hey, you want to come back? She was like, hey, I'm going back to school. Like, there was no question about it. She was, you know, she was, you know, tired of being out here in the sticks you know in the house and and she went back right away um me myself i wasn't really too fearful um i'm not real too fearful of this covid um i'm not it's not to say that i'm not taking it serious um because a number of my relatives have passed away that have contracted covid and they had you know died so it's not something that um that I'm taking lightly, but however, you know, me, myself, I'm not vaccinated. Um, however, my, my family is like my, my children, my wife and, you know, and so, you know, that's totally their choice, you know, but anyways, um, yeah, back to the, uh, mental health. Yeah. Back to the mental health was that, you know, that they were, um, you know, they, I didn't realize that they were suffering from that, that they were, you know, that they needed to be with that interaction of being around other people you know, and their friends and, you know, getting back into their normal life, you know, because of the, of what we all had to go through through the pandemic, the first part of it. So, um, I started talking to my children more, you know, explaining to them stuff. And then, um, I started taking them around with me wherever, wherever I was going to go. Like, um, like if I had to help somebody, you know, with the American church stuff, I took them with me or if one of my dads or our aunts called to um, ask me to take care, help them take care of something. Um, I would take them over there with me, you know, to to fully, you know, so that we could be doing stuff together again as a family to address those mental health issues, and then at the same time, be around different relatives and show them, you know, who uh, who we, who, you know, who we are and who they are, so that they get to know them, so that we can continue this. Um, like you know, I was talking about. Um, talking about um us you know as a people that we could continue that we could continue how our grandparents were you know they would take us around and like um like you were saying earlier you know you had to um address some issues with your grandchildren you know i thought that was pretty cool because that's what chokers do you know one of my cousins was talking about um he's like geez you know gee my dad really takes my son does this and says this to him you know geez geez i want to do that to me was um was you know my choker you know and I kind of thought and I was like well that's what chokers do you know that's what you you just kind of 
answering your question, you know, why does he do that? Because he's the choker, you know. You know, just different things like that, you know, just small little things that you don't realize that you're doing, but that's that's kind of like in your DNA as part of being Ho-Chunk. You know, because there is, you know, people out there that, um, you know, I got a couple of requests that, you know, people ask, you know, me to show them, you know, how, how to build, you know, a wigwam, you know, a chipotle, you know. And I'm, like, not really a good expert of person. You know, I can make one, you know, if I really had to sleep in one or if I'm just messing around and, you know, like, showing my kids, yeah, this is what they used to do, you know, grab them, sap, weave them, bend them, you know. Time right here, you know. And, you know, that's, that's, that's about it, you know, like. And um, I grew up um, doing doing corn, like we were kids and stuff, you know, and like and like having to pick mahi and you know and all that, you know, and, and drying meats, you know. I know there's different things like that, canning, like we had to do all that when we were kids, you know. And then um, when we got older, and you know, I don't want, I don't want to sound like they're all kind of like this, but when we when we got per cap, you know, we stopped kind of canning and even kind of like drying corn and stuff like that because we could afford food to sustain us through the winter. And so, like, <laughs> since then, you know, I haven't really did corn, you know, like, I can't I can't remember the real last time I really did, you know, really dried corn, went out and picked it, you know, and did, did all the stuff that everybody likes to do now, you know, pick mahinji. I didn't even pick any mahinji, even though it grows wild right away. You could, you literally you can park your car on the side of the road and just pick it right there and, and like, put it in a bag and, and freeze it and you're, you're good. You know, like, but I, I don't even do that. I just drive by and look, hey, look, there's my age. And the kids are like, huh? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's milkweed, you know. Oh, okay, you know. And anyways, um, my point being is that I, I really don't do that. And then here's this year, my one of my nunus, um, my uh, my sisters, her name's uh, Mildred, and um, she's one of my older sisters. And she texted me and she said she was, wanted to know if I wanted some corn and I don't like to tell her no like anytime she call I don't like and you know just say yes no you know yes no you know and so I said yes you know and she's like all right she goes I'll have my Hannah drop it off so her Hannah dropped it off my nephew dropped it off and the next day me and the kids are like what's this? this oh I guess we're doing corn they're like oh really and I was like yeah I said this is the easy part and I said, which <laughs> I kind of lied because the picking part is the easy part of what we're about to do so, you know, we corn husked them, you know, and then got them off the cob and, you know, blowed them, dried them, you know, did everything that, you know, showed them out at all, you know. And we, you know, we got a pretty good, a pretty good, you know, couple of jars full, you know, something to eat, you know, at like Christmas or Thanksgiving or somebody's birthday, you know. But, you know, just to explain to them that, you know, that that's what our people used to do because, you know, they didn't have casinos and, you know, they didn't have, like here in Black River Falls area at the time, there was this, you know, cranberry marshes and, you know, a couple of uh, manufacturing jobs. So the Ho-Chunks here, they just went and followed the, kind of like followed the crops around to like make a living and to stay in this area because, you know, it's, it's, it's home to them, you know, those families that I talked about, you know, this, this is where they call home. And anyways, so, well, so through that, you know, this, it doesn't, uh, it didn't, does this oh. lead into your uh, uh, rear king swan, the mother's tra a tradition? Yes, yes, exactly. So what Rita does is that Rita Rita teaches mothers of tradition, and they do different activities. They, they, you know, what she would like to do is a lot more um, people to join in on their. I think it's on a Monday morning, and that's what um, kind of like to 
to kind of like get more culturally involved if you don't have an understanding. And we, when I was talking with her, um, we were kind of explaining that, you know, you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to belong to a set uh, religion. You know, you don't have to be, you know, a, a member of the American church. You don't have to belong to the medicine lodge. You know, you don't have to belong to, you know, your uh, Orthodox church or, or anything like that to, to be, you know, to be, to be you. You know what I mean? To be Ho-Chunk, you know? It's you that makes your, you Ho-Chunk. It's not, you know, sitting, you know, in, uh, you know, NAC service or in a, in, a, in a ceremonial lodge, you know? Those are just components to help your spirit. Um, my David Gordy, um, we are going to have this healing camp, and he was going to kick it off, and we went to talk to him, my, um, my, my David Gordon Thunder, um, to talk to him to see if he could start it off by, you know, giving us a, uh, um, how we're all connected. And he said, well, first most, he goes, he goes, uh, he goes, you were created. He said, you were, you were give, you were, you were made a human. He said, and then you were given things. He said, you're given a knowledge and wisdom. He said, you're given a spirit. He goes, all those, he goes, you were given, he said. And then the last thing he said that you were given was, uh, free will the the uh, right to make up your own mind. He said, and that's who you are. He goes, it's just that, you know, you come from this bloodline here, but foremost, you're, you're human. You're a human being. You know, that's what he was saying. You know, so that's what we were um, expressing, is that, you know, that for the relatives out there, you know, that are, you know, out there, you know, because I lived out there. I lived out in Oklahoma, you know, and I lived out in Kansas, Texas, you know, for a number of years. You know, I never thought I'd come back to Wisconsin. I'd be like, yeah, I love that little kick town in my <laughs> in my dust, you know. <laughs> Even Wisconsin, you know. <laughs> but I never thought I'd be back here. But I think I was brought back for a reason to show, you know, my children about the lineage and about where they come from. I'm not saying that people have to make that pilgrimage, but these Ho-Chunk Nation have these uh, behavioral health um, initiatives and these programs that are geared toward cultural sensitivity, which I feel would help a lot of you um, Ho-Chunks out there because it helps me a lot with my own mental health issues. Almost promoting a sense of belonging to, uh, I mean, this is us. Yeah. Yeah, because it is us. I mean, um, my relatives out there, you know, like, like live in the urban areas that, you know, probably have never, you know, that probably, you know, feel that a powwow is more cultural ho-chunk than anything else, you know. But in all reality, you know, the powwows kind of are, you know, were adopted, you know, they were they were shown to us. You know, there's a story about the, the Hedushka drum, even what Hedushka means. You know, my, my David Gordy explained that to us all, you know, as we were growing up, you know, we got interested in different things, you know. He explained to us where different things came from. And it gave us a sense of understanding, you know, of um, what culture is. Um, I don't know if you ever seen Powell Highway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite a few years ago. Yeah, it's like an old school show, and I and um, that Martinez character when at gymnasium, he kind of says it kind of like um, spot on, kind of like it's kind of like crazy how he says it, but like it kind of made us laugh when we were kids. He says something like, "They put out a few beads and a few feathers and call it a culture and dance around in a gym." 
and kind of like you know kind of like poking fun at it but you know he was kind of like showing the reality what people see of it outside of us you know what i mean yeah that's how you know like how somebody looking in would see would observe us you know and you know that's how i don't want our own people to observe us yeah, I want them to have a sense of um, belonging, a sense of understanding, like where the where the Hadush drum came from, you know, and all these things. You know, it could be you know just a spark here with you know the the uh, mothers of tradition. I know that she's trying to do a fathers of tradition, and she's trying to look for somebody to facilitate that. Um, and there's a number of good you know good Ho Chunk fathers out there. You know, well, they're all good Ho Chunk fathers. You know, I'm not gonna, I can't be like you don't want to point out the bad ones huh yeah because you know (laughs) know, i'm probably in that crowd also you know because (laughs) because i'm behind on my child support no i'm just kidding i'm I'm caught up really no i'm just kidding (laughs) well that's part of that um uh, modern day removal i mean we kind of we kind of do it to ourselves yeah yeah, exactly, because that was, that was part of one of the next models that we were going to address um, at this healing camp was actually the removal, um, was actually the removal of our people, um, and then a modern-day removal, um, such as, you know, like uh, foster home, foster care, children being lost into the foster care system, you know, and then coming back, you know, because in our removal, you know, we did return to Wisconsin, and... You know, and a lot of these children that have been removed from the home do end up returning back to the tribe, you know. And, you know, some of them end up having a real nice career, you know, um, within the nation, you know, in the home and grow up within our community. Um, and, you know, that's part about of being, you know, part of being us, you know, coming back to your roots and finding out who you are, you know. And that's that's just what I was kind of thinking about talking about today was just um, different issues that we have and there's programs there that are available even the cultural sensitive programs it's you know that's what you're seeking you know well what about the um, <laughs> one of the problems we have is and a matter of fact you know I highlighted on the show is the fact that we concentrate on politics and money and I really steer clear of um, family and that type of thing but it seems like that's what's driving us a lot is the money and the politics and we're kind of letting uh you know i'm i'm letting the culture slip i'm not paying any attention to it yeah that's that's kind of what i was that's kind of what i was seeing was that that this this you know um this money and this uh it seemed like this power struggle or power um politics um it, it really hampers who we are and concentrate divide between you know families you know straight down you know it comes right down where families, you know, kind of don't want to see each other, you know. Whereas before, when we didn't have anything, we were such a communal-type community, you know, tight-knit. Hey, how's it going? Hey, come on, you know, share and share alike, you know. like And, you know, there's still families that, that do that, you know. Like, um, like my boys went and um, helped out um, one of my other relatives and, you know, kind of went over and helped him out with this um, project that he was doing. And his mom fed them. You know, and like made a big, like made a big kettle and fed them. You know, and they were all surprised. You know, my boys were like, "Hey, she even fed us." It was like, "Yeah, that's your aunt." And I, yeah, I knew she'd feed you guys. You know, you know, there's still that type of stuff. You know, that that happens. You know, one of the things I seen was the um, 
I think up in the cities they had a thunder thundercloud um, language immersion immersion camp. I think online um, they were posting pictures. I thought that was really cool for them to do that. You know, for a family to you know call their relatives together. You know, and to have a whole week of like a family reunion type thing. And I thought that was so cool. And you know, there was nothing. You know, like you were saying, like um, money and politics. It seemed like it's hampering about who we really are. And one time I went to a powwow up in um, Manu Man, uh, Whiter's Powwow. And those White Earth Indians, you just have to be a descendant to be enrolled. You don't have to have a blood quantum. You just have to prove that somewhere in your line that your dog or your choker, somewhere they were, they were Indian. So they enrolled them. So I came back and I told some, I told some young kids at the time. I was like, man, so you know what it's like up there? And I, so I told them. And the first thing, one of them asked me was like, well, how much per cap do they get? Yeah. And, and I was like, that doesn't define you. Uh, and that's, I, and like, um, <laughs> I kind of blame myself for that too, that mentality of thinking. Um, because when, like I said, when I lived, like, okay, I went to school in Oklahoma, uh, went to school in, uh, Kansas, Haskell University. And, um, I, I, I acted like I was just a, a, an arrogant Indian. Like, oh, I, you know, my friends had to work. I didn't have to work because I got per cap and that's how I paid my rent for my apartment. Um, so I just went to school and, and, you know, party, you know, that's all I did. And meanwhile, they're doing what they were doing. And so I kind of had that sense that they have, you know, that, that people weren't as good as me. I was Ho-Chunk, you know, I'm, I'm an elite, you know, I'm different, you know, I'm not like you Indians, you know. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's the mentality that I had too, you know, at that age, you know. So, you know, if we could, you know, and that, that's what I was trying to, you know, show my kids that it's not about, you know, all the materialistic things and, you know, and having, you know, and, and being immersed in yourself in this, um, uh, consumer economic society that we live in you know it's kind of like uh, that's not us you know that's, well okay well let's get back to the dirt of it uh what do we do how do um, we do it how do you do it you just you well if you if you would like to get more information on the mothers of tradition um i would suggest doing that and I, I would just suggest moving home like just being around your people somehow like we have this whole multi-million dollar infrastructure that we did in black Earth files where we're trying to create a, a big village. Like I was saying, here in Black River Falls, we didn't have the jobs that the families needed. So a lot of them moved away to the bigger cities, hence a lot of you guys live in urban cities, where you guys, you know, and it, and it was because um, Economics. your family wanted the best things for you. Yep. You know, and that's all it is. And you have to decide what is best for you. And, you know, how do you get to be, get in touch with who you are? Look at your family tree. Um, request your family tree from enrollment if you can get hold of them. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't really touched with them. I don't know what's going on within the nation and the tribe. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I spend my time here at, at home, isolated like a hermit. Like a guy on reservations, dogs. I don't know if you've seen reservation dogs, but I live in Oklahoma. By the way, don't move to Oklahoma just because you watch reservation dogs. <laughs> it's really that rugged. 
<laughs> my kids are like, you loved it? And I'm like, just kidding. Yeah, in the rear view yeah. mirror. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I went back to Blackmore. I can't believe I ended up here. No, I was kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, Sterling Hardjohn, those guys doing really great things. Um, give a shout out to Joey Brown Thunder. Um, he works over for FX. He's one of the um, one of the like I can't. He told me what he does over there. Um, he's I don't know if you guys know Joey Brown Thunder, but last Mohicans, he was in there. Um, Hojan tribal member out in California. Uh, him and Ian Scrollin wanted to come over and do some things with the Ho Chunk Nation, but we're gonna have to see after the pandemic. But um and it has to do with culture. So like I know that the culture resources out there that's trying to put together things. Um we're trying to work with Samson um Falcon, um, the historic uh preservation uh executive director, to try to get more workshops out there into those areas. You know, not so much as to like as, as religion, you know, like as as lodge or NAC pushing that type of thing, but more of like cultural stuff. Like you know, this is um, this is who we are. This is where we came from. Um, this is the removal. Um, you know, just different things like that for people out there to get in touch of you know to to know who they are. You know, where they came from, how it came to be that they live where they live. You know, that your family's actually you know has roots here within Wisconsin, deep roots, you know, like I'm saying, they could be descendants of chiefs, or maybe they already even know they're descendants of chiefs, because like we were saying in the beginning of the program, that, you know, there was a number of villages throughout this whole chunk empire, and I stress empire, because I heard that's what it was, was that it was a vast empire here throughout Wisconsin, and that these different villages um, did have their own their own chief. You know, and that's something that, that people out there that you know, feel, you know, like, gee, you know, I don't know who I am. Um, I should try to, you know, somewhat um, learn how to be who I am. Even saying a phrase a day, my my grandfather was saying, in whole chunk, you know, it was just, you know, hiney pee to one another, you know. You're still keeping that language alive. You know, and then they have, uh, whole chunk Academy has different um, immersion uh, tutorials that they do um, daily. Um, they have an eminent speaker that they have, uh, and all you have to do is just go on um, Facebook uh, and do a search for Ho Chunk Academy. It'll pop up. Um, and if you're one of the shy people that don't want to participate, you can always just mute and just listen. You know, and they might ask you to introduce yourself. But it's a really fun way to just if you're not doing anything during the day to just listen to them speak the language. Also, um, my. Um, my brother Henning, um, uh, elk, who we, who we I think that's how you say elk. Um, he has a, a, a morning, um, he does an Al Roker thing with the yeah, weather. The Al weather is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Tell us how the weather is going to be today and tomorrow. Um, doesn't whole chunk. And then later on he posted uh, a comment and in there he, he actually, does a little short video so you can hear him speak it so you can actually hear him speak and you can follow along to his post and you can get an idea of um how the um phonetics sound uh, to the way that they style writing and you know in there it's 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 pretty nice to hear the language you know in there it's almost nostalgic like you can hear your grandparents speaking you know for you know many of us that are fortunate enough to to remember um, the language, you know, in its true form, you know, it's, it's, you know, the small things you take for granted and the things that you don't hear today, you know, 
and just getting re in touch with that helps a lot with your own mental health as as well as your own cultural identity. So those are just a couple of ways that you can get in, get back into like like um, getting to know who you are. Your sense of belonging. Yeah. One is the language because that connects us all, unifies us all, and um, you know, just getting in touch with your relatives, calling them up, saying, "Hey, hi, how are you doing?" You know. No, that's, that's important. That's part right. of us being us. You know, just just having that connectedness because that's really what it, it comes down to. You know, what makes I feel that's what makes me whole chunk was when I was talking about you know how I know my relatives that my dad took me around to today and how when they ask for help I try to help them um, to keep that going with my own children that's Ho-Chunk so if you were to ask how can I be more Ho-Chunk well that's one way you can you can get to know your relatives a little more and speaking of which I was just thinking about um, the whole reason why I texted you in the first place was because I hadn't heard a podcast and I was getting used to the um, your greeting your greeting <laughs> that was cool Hi, Nee P. Hi, Nee P. I thought that was so catchy. I was like, I was like, man, I kept myself doing that around the house. But it also, it also made me think of um, your mom and um, your gra- your grandmother. Um, there was a song that um, she had made up, um, and she was um, sick in bed. Your grandmother. Um, and they, they, my, my mom sang that song one time, and she told me where it came from. And she was asking um, God to heal her. That um, she was thankful for her life, and that um, she knew that he was Mona was the only one that could do that for her. You know, so I was kind of like, hey, I wonder what this guy's up to. You know, because um, I was thinking about that because I wasn't. Um, doing too well in my health and then um, I was feeling better and it made me think of that song and in turn it made me think of my um, my grandma Mary Ann's relatives and it made me think of you and then how um, it was like you know you would be like hi NEP hi NEP this guy really starts off real good and then they were like then they got after you because you're rattling someone's cage and kind of yeah I didn't even say nothing to these other people I'm just asking questions <laughs> and all of a sudden they're all like is he getting paid to do that <laughs> so they'll be like gee why you want to pay me gee well you get on my show tell me something then you know you guys want to say something you know you know my time's you know whatever you know it's because to me it's you know you know, give me 35 minutes here free time so far you know you know, but, you know, I thought that was funny. And then I was like, gee, where's he at? How come we didn't have any more? You know, and then the politics thing, my second podcast, that's what I ran into was that I was just trying to have a fun conversation, but it was during election time and my guest got serious. He was all like, I don't, I don't go and vote because whoever gets in there, their family just does whatever for their family. And that's it. And it's all about money and politics. And <laughs> And I was all like, okay. I was like, oh man. I was like, I don't want to put. The, I want to have a fun podcast. I don't want to. I was like, I was like, hold on. Let me put you on Shelby's podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh man, but no. But I was like, I was like, yeah. I was like, man. I was like, man. What's this guy's up to? I was like, man. I was like, I, I, I was like. 
And then when you're asked, well, you want to be on it? I was like, yeah, I'll ramble around for a while, as I did last time, too. I was like, I was like, and the, and to be honest, the reason why I'm with my podcast is because my I live out in the sticks, and my internet is really crappy out here. We're waiting for Starlink. Elon Musk, if you're listening to this podcast, we're waiting on Starlink so that we can have better internet here out in the sticks. I'll text, them right, the I'll text them right away, right after the show. <laughs> right? And maybe you and I can be the first Indians in space or something. <laughs> maybe you can hook it up with that, you know what I mean? You and I can be the first natives, first Ho-Chunks in space, first natives in space, you know. I'm a little old for that, but I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, just, just to wrap this up, um, mental health, big thing, and um, how do we, do you know how we can get a, get in touch with the tribe on that? Yeah, um, I believe that num- uh, um, I believe that if you if you just um, Facebook, if you're on Facebook, or even even if you're on Google, you can Google Whole Chunk Nation Health Department, and in there in the website, there's a page there specifically for behavioral health. Um, it has the numbers on there for the intake, and also they have it on their Department of Health Facebook page. I'm not sure if they're going to be getting a Twitter page or anything like that, but there it is there, and I think the intakes are over the phone, um, and they're available to tribal members and employees of the tribe. All right, well, I hate to chase you away, but the grandkids are getting a little antsy. Oh, is that, so. I understand. Yeah, my, <laughs> yeah, my, my kids are looking at me like, all right, I thought you were going out for breakfast. <laughs> all right, so uh, I'll let you go. You have a good day, and thanks for coming you, on. You too. Appreciate all it. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I have a special uh, podcast tonight. I was going to talk about some other stuff, but I've been hearing a lot of rumors, uh, a lot of gossip, uh, a lot of unsubstantiated uh, talk. Um, various uh, members from uh, Baraboo area meetings, and I just thought I'd uh, try to get it out there. It's about the removal of a legislator and uh, at GC, General Counsel removal. So I thought I'd kind of go to uh, two of the people whose uh, names keep popping up along with the legislator. I got with me uh, John Warner and Dan Brown once again. Uh, gentlemen, you want to introduce yourselves and uh, let's get this show underway. Hey, Shelvis, uh, John, I'm here uh, in an unofficial capacity as a tribal member. Um, and, you know, I appreciate you uh, getting us on the show, and uh, we'll talk about it. But, you know, I'll throw throw Dan a bone and let him say what's up. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Shelby, thanks for having me on. Um, as John just mentioned, I just wanted to make it very clear that um, although I am currently the executive manager at Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison, I'm not on the show, nor have I been on the show at any time um, in that capacity. I'm on the show on my own time, exercising my constitutional right of free speech um, as an individual tribal member. So I just want to get that out there first and foremost. All right. Well, I am um, speaking in an official capacity as the host of the Chipotle. So let's, uh, let's get right to the meat of it. Um, Darren Brinegar, removal at general counsel. Uh, that would be me. That, that would, would be, be me. me. All right, let's uh, let's have at it. Certainly. So um, there's been some uh, rumors and gossip going around that uh, uh, this particular uh, legislator um, 
has recently again gone on the attack uh, for myself. Uh, he's trying to utilize some attorneys, um, or so the gossip is that he's trying to utilize some attorneys to come at me again uh, personally uh, to try and prosecute or do some kind of something for me through the through the tribal government. But where it all started from is um, back in I want to say um, April. Uh, there was an administrative uh, session that occurred, and I talked about it in one of my past uh, podcasts with you. The uh, I thought my position was going to be terminated uh, in a budgetary process, but what really was happening was uh, my job description, as well as uh, the uh, municipal relations coordinator's job description, was being retired or was being attempted to be retired. So retiring a job description means you're just going to put it on a shelf and nobody can ever use it again. Well, you know, the sad thing about these two positions is there were two Ho-Chunks, two qualified Ho-Chunks in those positions, which was one myself, John Warner, and the other one was Missy Tracy, which is in the municipal relations uh, coordinator position. So basically, uh, the person who brought it up was Darren Brinegar, and he was trying to get, I don't know if he was trying to get at Madison or if he was trying to be vindictive or petty or whatever he normally is. And again, it's my opinion, and I can say that. Uh, he was just trying to get rid of us. And it's sad that we had to go through this whole justification process and everything else. So back then, I told him that I was going to go ahead and remove him. And I'm bringing forth my case at General Counsel. And I'm going to start reading those charges. And I will publicly charge him for the removal because he has violated quite a bit of things. Um, you know, uh, during this whole process, you know, I was trying to, you know, I've kept my head down low um you know we're we're not out there attacking anybody we're just kind of being informative we're trying to be real mellow but it, it no matter what we do to keep our heads down low and keep off the radar it always seems that we i've got a hater uh, dan always has the haters but you know we just got haters that come at us for no reason i don't know because we do our job because we uh speak our mind because we're not afraid of elected officials you know i don't know what it is it just seems like uh we, we, we get the targets drawn down on us, our red red beams of uh, uh, laser beams always tagging us for targets. So, um, Well, it just sounds like it's, is it just personal or are there reasons why he would try to target you or target the casino or Dan Brown? Is it just, has he ever said anything about official charges? So, Joe, let me just try to lend a little uh, additional I guess, context, this whole thing, um, you know, he got elected and, and I had tribal members telling me, watch out. And I just thought, you know, whatever, you know, it's one of 13 people. He's on the legislature. I'm in the executive. Um, shouldn't be an issue. But the, the, the die was cast really in February 2020, just before the uh, shutdown. We were just finishing up the last of our budgets and we presented a budget, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh that exceeded the, the previous net revenue by $6 million, which is significant given the fact that that fiscal year was a record-breaking year. And despite this, um, we received a 6-4, six, 6 against, including Darren, um, and the, the uh, tie had to be broken by the chair of the, the uh, finance committee, Two Bears, Robert Two Bears, at that time. Um, it was extraordinary because I'd spent a good deal of time at that meeting explaining, uh, kind of given a, a 101 course on profit margins. You know, I did a compare and contrast to a lot of other industries, other industries, including um, groceries, you know, 1%, 2%, Walmart, 1%, you know, profit margins. And I, and I 
let them know that we had a 70% profit margin and that that is significant. And what that indicates is good management. It indicates the you know diligence in terms of keeping our expenses down. 70% is, is absolutely an incredible number. And I try to emphasize that with the anticipation, having heard some of these things of, you know, Darren um, taking shots at various positions in the facility, all of which are, you know, critical positions. So that's sort of where it started for me. Again, the die was cast when I saw that 6-6 tie. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, a foreshadowing of things to come. So now that you got a little bit of background, we've gone into a little bit of depth, but I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll be real frank. So what, what Darren has done is he's uh, violated the code of ethics and all of our elected officials are, uh, are to adhere to the code of ethics. Um, and I'll, I'll quote it and I've got it here. Uh, code of ethics uh, for declaration of the code of ethics. Um, it is declared that high moral and ethical standards among the Ho-Chunk Nation public officials is essential to the conduct of free government, and it's, it is the intent of the legislature that this act promotes the highest ethical conduct for all public officials of the Ho-Chunk Nation. Definitions. K, malfeasance, means the commission of an act that is positively unlawful. The doing of an act which a person ought not to do at all, the unjust performance of some act which the party had the right to commit, any wrongful conduct which affects, interrupts, or interferes with the performance of official duty, an act for which there is no authority. M. Misfeasance means the improper performance of some act which a person may lawfully do. N. Nonfeasance means the omission of an act which a person ought to do, the non-performance of an act which a person has a responsibility or obligation to perform, a substantial failure to perform a required legal duty, total neglect of a duty. And then it goes on to uh, standards of conduct. D, public officials shall adhere to the laws of the nation, be patient, dignified, and courteous to constituents, co-officials, and others with whom they deal with in an official capacity. E, public officials shall put forth an honest effort in the performance of their duties. I, public officials shall not threaten or intimidate any employee of the Ho-Chunk Nation in reprisal for the employee acting within the scope of the employee's official duties and authorities. So what that means is that's what I'm going to charge Darren with. I'm going to file my charges with him. I'm going to do it in the proper method. And then I'm going to go ahead and write my res uh, resolution to have him removed at this year's general council. And for those that, that, that don't know what it, it is, it's under Article 9, Removal, Recall, and Vacancies. Section 1, General Council Removal of Legislators. So the General Council may remove any member of the legislature for malfeasance. No vote by the general counsel to remove a member of the legislature shall take place before such legislature has been given reasonable notice of the impending action and has had a reasonable opportunity to be heard. Then, in the Constitution, I also want to reiterate Section 1, Bill of Rights. A, the Ho-Chunk Nation, in exercising its power of self-government, shall not make or enforce any law prohibiting the free exercise of religion or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition petition for redress of grievances and nine pass any bill attender or ex post facto law or 
In other words, the government can't go after myself or Dan for speaking our our our, our mind and 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 talking about the government. We we do this to inform the tribal members of where our failures are, of where we've succeeded, where we've done good, and where we haven't done so good, so that um, we can help guide those elected officials in you know to do better for us as a whole. And by me reading that, I basically told Darren Brinegar, I've read the charges that I'm going to go against you for. You have violated the you have violated the ethics code of ethics. You've created, you've done malfeasance by intimidating an individual tribal member and constituent and employee acting in my official capacity by trying to remove me from my position. I promised you that I would remove you. This is that promise coming forth. And I got to, um, after you, you, you read these charges, um, let me ask Dan Brown on this particular issue. Um, you were brought up on the what the uh, court of uh, the tribal elders and i think you had basically a similar situation and they said that you were impugning the nation um well, is that, a, is well, that similar was, to what we're going to be doing here i'm not you know my recollection of of uh three of the four years that i served in office um i had removal charges uh, presented to me which is, uh, in retrospect, is absolutely incredible. Uh, <laughs> given my personal and professional integrity, so I always knew it was very much just a, you know, a political witch hunt. Um, I, in fact, I'd even go to the last two general councils to bother with it because it just became so absurd. Um, that the, one of the charges, as I recall, H, I, there was a charge brought against me for elder abuse, um, and, and I have no idea to this moment what that meant. Um, but I, what I want to say, though, is, you know, this kind of thing, I don't take this lightly, you know, trying to remove somebody. Um, I participated in the uh, removal of uh, George Lewis as president. I'll say openly and publicly right now that I'm not proud of having participated in that. Um, you know, probably for me, it was a, a moment of immaturity, just anger and hurt, you know, for having you know served so dutifully for 10 years and just uncere unceremoniously just, you know, thrown out of my job. I was just angry. And, um, you know, that's something, again, I'm not proud of. In this instance, though, this is a little different. You know, I think there's a clear and present danger to the Constitution, to individuals, to employees by, uh, by Darren. And, you know, it's, it's a thing. I know I mentioned it in a previous podcast that, you know, uh, we take no pleasure or I take no pleasure in, in this kind of thing, you know, for the standpoint of, you know, the image for us out, out, outside of the tribe you know, the optics of the tribe looking like it's dysfunctional. But my goodness, you know, when, when you don't have any options at your disposal other than cutting the cancer out, I don't blame John at all, and I support John. Go ahead, John. You're going to add something? Yeah, so, you know, I, I too, you know, I was there. I'm not proud of uh, that process because I was there with Dan on that removal for George. George is a – it was just a – it was just a bad situation and we probably I did what my Degas asked and my brothers asked and 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 that's where we fell with that but I too I don't I don't take removing anybody lightly uh, because I think it causes a vacuum it costs us money it creates a bit of a, a problem for us but the reality is like Dan said this is a cancer this guy has committed committed malfeasance he's violated the law intentionally in a in an open meeting he's 
uh, committed and, and self-admits nonfeasance because he, he uh, didn't read or take down the meeting minutes from one of his area meetings. He openly admitted to not doing his job, which if you're a legislator, you're supposed to be taking down meeting minutes and putting those meeting minutes forth in the motions for your area. So he openly admitted nonfeasance. And then there's misfeasance. So he's constantly making errors in his process. And I get, can I do this? Can I do that? And so it's, so we have a real problem with this particular, I have a real problem with this, this particular legislator. Um, I believe other people do, but all I want to do is be able to be, let it be heard and let everybody know that I have not forgotten about the removal of Darren Brinegar. I've read, read the charges of what I'm going to go against him for, and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him properly and dutifully for the uh, for uh, uh, as it's required, you know. And then I'm going to go in front of uh, the general counsel and I'm going to ask the general counsel to remove Darren Brinegar for malfeasance. And I want to remind everybody and all of our listeners, you know, in the George Lewis case, malfeasance is not determined by it doesn't have to be determined by the court. It's by the people. So if my argument is strong enough to convince our, our tribal members that Darren Brinegar committed malfeasance by openly trying to remove uh, existing uh, positions and violating the Ethics Act, Ethics Code, then, you know, so be it. He's gone. Um, this is also a good thing for our other legislators to hear. Because if you're not, if you're doing something, acting outside the scope of your authority, if you're not listening to your constituents and you're trying to force some kind of rules and change, we're watching, we're listening. And we have a right at general counsel. You said one time, general counsel is the most powerful branch of government. It is. We do the removal. We do the recall. We can reverse any action of the legislature, the judiciary, and the executive. There's a lot of power in general counsel. And you know what? I plan on being in front of general counsel this year to remove Darren Brinegar. I've read some of the charges that are going to be out there. I'll have the resolution ready in advance, and I will be serving Darren Brinegar. And that's why I was hoping that you'd be willing to have me on for uh, on a podcast. Well, you're right about this being very, very serious. And just listening to the charges, yeah. Um, hey, Shelf, can I can I jump in here just real quick? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that I always had to keep in mind during my term of office, and even when I was being brought up for charges or brought up for removal for those three years, um, is the fact that you know once the general counsel has spoken, it's over with. Um, if you read the uh, read the opinion of the Supreme Court in the in the George Lewis case, um, the justice makes it very clear that you know this is not a legal issue. This is, this is a political issue. And, you know, much like the, the elections, when we vote somebody in, if the general counsel votes you out, uh, that's all she wrote. And so when I was in office, I, I was always very cognizant of that um, and, and made certain that, well, always did anyway, working out, you know, looking out for the best interests of the nation, always. But you had to walk a little bit of a political tightrope with some situations, with some issues that, uh, you know, maybe you didn't completely believe in, but if they carried a hell of a lot of political weight, you had to do the calculus and make a determination. Um, so I, I think when John says this is, uh, you know, kind of a shot over the bow of the legislature, um, it is. Um, and, I, and I'm hopeful, you know, not, I don't want anybody living with, you know, with a blade hanging over their head. Um, but when people are stepping on the line, when you're crossing the line, when you're, you know, violating the Constitution, you're, you're usurping, usurping the powers of, of the executive branch of the government in any way, shape or form, 
you know, we'll determine what's malfeasance at general counsel. And if you're brought up to vote as a simple majority, uh, uh, you know, wins the day, then, you know, you're out of a job and there's no recourse. So I just wanted to add that just as a, you know, FYI to, to listeners. I just want to um, ask both of you, is there um, misfeasance, malfeasance, nonfeasance? What about just plain old fashioned ignorance? Is that a possibility? He's just, you know, doing a job that he's ill-equipped for. I believe he's ill-equipped to be a legislator, but that's my personal opinion. I can't, you know, I, I don't think he has an education. I don't know, you know, I could talk about, I guess if uh, we really got down to it, I could, I could talk about a lot of personal issues that Darren's had in the past through the department of business, through Nakusa um, as a manager of the, of the bingo hall or a manager of the, casino or the manager of Madison. I mean, I could go on and bring facts up of, of his inability to do that. So make bringing one to two. Yeah. I could see him not being capable of performing his per current position. But there's no really qualifications for the position. So I guess this really kind of falls on the people who voted for him, but at a general council, those same people get another chance to correct that mistake. I, I saw Oh, go ahead, John. I, I was going to disagree. That's correct. General counsel can correct its mistake from the. They can even correct another district's uh, mistake. You know, it was the people of uh, Area Two that voted him in, or Area Three, excuse me. You know, and I heard I heard gossip that they 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 voted for him just to get him out of the casino. But you know, go ahead, Dan. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, I was just going to make the point that. Um, I, I just lost my train of thought. I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry no, about it, that. It, it just kind of concerns me because these are the people who are running our nation. And now it's gotten to the point where we just have to have them removed. And like you said, this isn't something that we should um, take up lightly. But it's something that uh, everybody's got to get a hold of right now and start getting your thoughts together about uh, what's going to happen with our nation. And if uh, removing Darren Brinegar is a start, then, uh, yeah, that's a start. That's something we should consider for this uh, general counsel. So it, it, it just float, it floated back into my head. Um, so, you know, we, we it, for me, there's always the issue of integrity, personal professional integrity, um, uh, you know, and, and being fair, being fair to our people. Um, I often wonder, um, particularly in light of that 6-6 six, six tie, uh, for a budget with uh, an additional $6 million over record-setting uh, revenue numbers, net revenue numbers, what influence Mr. Brenniger had on a bunch of new legislators? Because now we're right now in the beginning of the term of several new legislators. And I just wonder, uh, you know, I, I always sort of postulate that he spends a good deal, deal, deal of time, you know, poisoning the well of people, um, disparaging uh, myself, my team. He's never shown any support at all for Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison, which is extraordinary. It's in his district and it's the premier moneymaker for the Ho-Chunk Nation. So I've wondered sometimes just sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, anecdotally, what would it look like for an outside firm to depose, you know, all sitting legislators and legislators who've served with him, you know, have a, a deposition conducted, a sworn deposition and ask questions of whether or not he has spent time disparaging and otherwise putting down managers like myself. Um, again, we go back to integrity, to honesty, 
um, legislators, would you, would you be honest in telling the people that yes, he has been disparaging on a fairly regular basis? Um, I believe he has. And I think that is something that needs to be taken into strong consideration when we're talking about suitability of office. Um, if there's that kind of thing going on, let me just real quick say that on Tuesday of last week, the legislature, Kristen made a motion, um, and I don't remember the whole chunk word, but essentially it was treat each other with respect, be nice to each other. To me, it looked like a little bit like, uh, you know, she's building in some insulation for area meetings because she's catching some hell. Maybe people were passionately, you know, discussing issues with her. Um, and she looked like perhaps she was looking for some, you know, looking for a little cover. Um, but I wonder too, like on the backside, you know, if you're talking about respecting people, being good to people, would this apply, this, this, this motion, this Ho-Chunk word she used, would that apply to what Darren does behind closed doors? Um, or even, in, you know, in the open, when he goes after a job and he goes after the business development manager, John Warner's job, for no reason at all. When he asks me at, at uh, a, a finance meeting, you know, why do you need certain positions? When I'm at 70% profit margin, record setting top and bottom line revenue, why bother asking? You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me other than for political purposes. You know, you think what? You're going to convince people that you're, oh, you're, doing, you're being fiscally responsible? I'm already being fiscally responsible. Every position I have has a purpose. So... You know, when it, again, it goes back to integrity. It goes back to whether this legislature is being acquiescent in allowing this kind of behavior. I got, I got one more thing I also would like to express. You know, I, there, with the other portions of the rumors and gossip, is um, I heard that one of the legislative attorneys was helping Darren to come up with a solution to charge me. You know, that's a scarier thing when an attorney, a, a, a legislative attorney. Um, is trying to help an individual legislator uh, do something, do, bring charges. So I call my, but you know, I got a lot of buddies that are attorneys. You know, they're Indian country attorneys. And uh, I said, so is that a co uh, violation of the ethics codes of a, of attorneys? And he was like, well, it's a tricky, tricky thing. So uh, he asked me, is this a legislative attorney? Does he work for the legislature? I said, yeah, he does. He, he, so basically that attorney works for that branch of government. Yeah, yeah, he does. So does he have a private practice? I said, yeah, he does. And then I said, well, can he can he get hired by this guy? I said, well, he possibly could. I said, I don't know if it's in the ethical standards of that, but, you know, could be. And he goes, well, it's a tough one, but you can definitely call the Bar Association in, in the state of Wisconsin. And I can definitely call the Ho-Chunk Nation Bar to see if there is some unethical uh, legal uh, advice occurring. Because, you know, I don't know if Darren Brinegar paid him or not, because all attorneys have to, you know, get some kind of compensation. Because if they don't, they got to file pro bono. And so if this one attorney is making legal advice for Darren Brenniger to attack John Warner, maybe that guy should be checked out too, you know? So rumors and gossip can go a long way. And I heard this come Friday and I was uh, mad at an old wet hen. I, I just wanted to make sure uh, that I got on Shelby's podcast at Chipotle and told everybody publicly that I'm going to remove Darren Brinegar, and I did read some of the charges of misfeasance, nonfeasance, and, and, and malfeasance. Uh, I stated that I have a right, uh, constitutional bill of rights to, to freedom of speech, 
and um, I'm not acting in an official capacity. Uh, I've always acted on individual capacity. Myself as a tribal member um, with a with a background and degree in education that could help advise uh, the general membership of the tribe. So, all right. Well, um, I don't want to beat a dead horse. So, if you gentlemen have got any final thoughts um, you want to share before we uh, pull this to a close, Dan, I'll look at you first. Sure. Yeah, and I and I just want to reiterate the fact that you know. There, there's no pleasure taken in, in this kind of action, um, you know, but having said that, when there's so much obstruction, when there's an absence of support, and it's one thing to not be supportive, it's extraordinary. You wouldn't support the, you know, uh, the primary revenue generator of your nation um, and that you won't do so because of whatever personal foibles he has or problems he might have with myself. Uh, I don't know the guy. Um, I, I know that he, you know, in my mind, he lacks character of any sort. But, you know, to me, it just, you know, if, if, he's, if he can't be big enough to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I might have screwed up and maybe I need to change my ways. And then, you know, and then maybe I should just go ahead and be more responsive and, and supportive. You know, if I'm, when I'm the legislature, when I'm on the legislature um, as the vice president, I used to think to myself as those executive managers of the business department approach me as a legislator. And I thought to myself and I acted in this manner, too. What can I do to help you, to help me help our people? It just seems a very simple philosophy, a very simple way to go about things. But when you're constantly pushing back and you're constantly seeking ways to break, you know, break uh, uh, individuals down and seek to remove, then that's the element that needs to be removed from our midst. And so, you know, sadly, this is where we are right now. Um, again, I don't take any pleasure in it, but you know, unless the guy makes a 180 yesterday then he probably needs to be removed from office john you got anything to add before we go no i just wanted to reiterate that i'm going to remove darren brenniger i promised that i would um i've read some of the charges i will be filing in public he doesn't know when i'm going to do it but uh i'll be on pto i will file it publicly and um I'll see him at general council and thanks for getting me on here. So I could express, you know, my concern over this poor legislature. This legislator is, he, he is truly cancer. He's a, he's problematic and there's, and there's problems. And if we can remove that problem, I think this legislature, this, this brand, this group might be able to really move forward in a positive manner. All right. Well, um, before we end, I'm going to reach out to uh, Darren Brinegar right now. Uh, Darren, you've heard uh, Dan, John, um, what they have to say, what they plan to do. And if you'd like to come on the show and rebut anything and explain your position, I'll be right here for you. Until then, thanks a lot, guys. We'll talk later. Thank you, Shelby. I'd like to end today um, on the opinion handed down today by um, the, our Attorney General, Mr. Seifert. Um, I think it's a, a wonderful opinion. It will strengthen the executive, and it's going to hand the legislature something to think about in the future. Um, basically, I 
advise everybody to go take a look at it. It's really well written, and um, I'm not going to do it justice. But basically, um, the legislature legislature appropriates the money. The executive then distributes the money, but the legislature still signs the checks and they can veto the expenditures, thus violating the Constitution. The Attorney General, Mr. Seifert, said that is wrong. And go through the opinion. He explains it. He gives his reasoning. And I think this is a wonderful decision or opinion by the Attorney General. And I just look forward to more of this in the future. One. Good afternoon, everybody. Today I have with me Nate Longtail and Officer of the President. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing this morning? Really, really well. Um, I guess uh, I have a couple questions for you, and um, basically they derive from uh, the financial reports. Um, at a lot of area meetings, uh, tribal members are asking um, for financial reports from the nation. Um, can you uh, kind of explain why we uh, haven't been seeing a lot of these at the area meetings? Sure, I'd love to. One of the major things that, that the executive branch is having a, a problem with is that we have a lack of a treasurer. Prior to 2020 and 2019, we were um, confirmed a treasurer at the beginning of the administration. And I want to say that that treasurer stayed with us until for about a year. After that, um, or prior to, to, to that, there was uh, the implementation of the Infralosin system. Once the Infralosin system went live around January of 2020, I'm going to say we had a lot of difficulties as far as um, a full implementation and working out the bugs and how access was controlled and how just kind of the, the reporting was going to be changing from a system that was dated back from the 1980s to an up-to-date system of today uh, so that we could use today's technology to kind of um, uh, be up with the times if you'd say so there was some there was some little some little headaches at first and then uh, the Treasury Department along with the Treasurer were allowed to um, uh, or they were they were able to provide financial reports, um, but they were very limited. Uh, as time went on, um, our treasurer um, uh, left the nation um, and actually was, um, uh, I think, rehired by the nation and on the legislative side. Um, but regardless of that, um, what, what I wanted to kind of, I guess, talk about as far as answering your question is that in our Appropriations and Budget Act, uh, and I want to say on page 9, there's there's a section under number 7, and it's called Fiscal Accounting. And it starts out in subsection A, Unexpected Funds and Deficit Reports. Now, these laws can be found on the Ho-Chunk Nation website, and they're available for any tribal member to look at, review, question, um, you know, just take a look at them and you can see them for yourself. Number one says, notwithstanding any provision of this or any other act or law, it shall be the duty of the treasurer to, 
And then, if, then after that, it goes on to list the different responsibilities. But the key word to that is it's the duty of the treasurer. Um, once we scroll down, and after you, if, if one has enough time to read all of this, they would scroll down until um, they get to the end of page of page 10, and it says release of financial data. And that's number eight. Financial information of the nation shall be considered confidential and privileged. Only financial data is explicitly provided for by this act or those financial reports expressly approved for release as a matter of law, including the Discovery Act. By resolution, motion, or contract shall be released. Financial information of the nation shall not be divulged to anyone other than the persons who have a right to know or authorized to receive such information. Then we'll go to A on that. On that, Release of financial data information to tribal members. Financial data information provided to tribal members at district area meetings shall be clearly marked for tribal use only and not for further release. Upon release of this financial information to the legislature, legislators may release the monthly financial reports to tribal members. So in B, this is where it kind of gets the reason why there's no reporting that's going out. The treasurer from time to time may be requested to produce a fiscal analysis or provide fin fiscal reports, which contains such information that the legislature desires to limit and control access. Exceptions to this policy may be authorized by written directive from the legislature, president, or general counsel. So basically what the act says is that the duty of the treasurer to release this information. The treasury department itself is mentioned but if we go over to a different law which is our um, which is in the title 5 in the business and finance code section 5 listed as the finance manual we can look on page 1 and looking at the table of contents it gives in number 5 uh, responsibilities and then that's covered on page 3 so turning to page three, I just want to read that for you on, on five, under responsibilities. There's no subsections to it. It just says the Department of Treasury, and then Treasury in parentheses, is responsible for preparing, reviewing, and or approving all financial statements of the Ho-Chunk Nation. Final approval of all financial statements lies with the Treasurer. So again, to reiterate that, without a Treasurer, without a confirmed Treasurer, at our disposal, we are not able to release financial data legally. Um, we can give updates and and possibly, you know, uh, a few different a few different reports, but we're not allowed to to do a treasuries or treasurer report per se, as what was released in the past. So I know that the business department they're able to um, release. Um, their, their kind of monthly analysis and they do do that it is it is usually sent to the finance committee on a regular basis and then they they do their own um, uh, fiscal reporting each month as, as well as the general managers and the CFOs the um, the tribal membership at the area meetings has become frustrated um, and I can see why you know they 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 see the nation going through this pandemic. They wonder how our finances are. They wonder about the tribe's well-being. But in order for us to release information to the area meetings, like I said, 
it has to come from the treasurer and it has to be released by a treasurer so without a confirmed treasurer you know we're kind of left in the dark um, as far as all of us being tribal members at our area meetings um, i've i've been to several different area meetings where the question was posed and and the response was kind of unfair to the executive branch in my opinion um the the usual response from the legislative reps is is that the executive branch hasn't provided reports or the treasury hasn't provided reports it's never the actual definition of the legal terms as to say by law they're not allowed to release anything to the district meetings while there's no sitting confirmed ho-chunk nation treasurer so I hope my answer wasn't too long for you, Shelby. No, no, no. It's, I think it's kind of important that we all understand uh, the legalities that we're dealing with. And can you just reiterate how long we've been without a treasurer? We've had some interim treasurers, um, but I believe before the interim treasurer that was nominated, that the nomination was accepted as in as of right now um our last one was i believe in mid um midwinter maybe 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 midwinter to early spring and then that treasurer was actually denied confirmation um for various reasons unknown there there have been quite a few nominations our confirmation processes is is really enduring for people you know um i don't know if i can if, if you'd mind if i touch base on that for no no please expand on it. on it so our confirmation act you know it calls for professionals um that, that may live outside the area let's say that we had a qualified ho-chung who went to school and we'll just we'll just make up an example just for just for um, kind of understanding let's say they went to school at the university of minnesota and let's say that they while they were there they they, they networked and they found some friends and let's say they started a, a home there or at least a, a home life and maybe maybe they didn't purchase a home but they're established there and they obtained their degree they start with um uh, corporate America and they start to make a name for themselves in the financial world and let's say that we need a treasurer and we have this qualified Ho-Chunk that lives in the Twin City area that that is overqualified for the position or or qualified just perfectly let's just say that it's just perfect and we give them a call and we say hey we'd like to we'd like to nominate you as the Ho-Chunk Nation treasurer now this individual has to make a life choice right then and there on the spot do i let the nomination go forward um and i would like to serve my my um my ho-chunk nation people i would like to be their treasurer but i have a, I have a residence here you know i have a good job i have um I, I have a great future in front of me and what you're what the what's being offered to me is a, only a chance and if I'm nominated as an interim, that means I have to start work immediately. And and if I start work, then I, I, I'm committing to leaving my, my residence. I'm committing to moving to Black River Falls, where there's not really a, a whole lot of um, 
open residential space here and once and if i have children you know that's another aspect of it i'm going to be asking them to change schools and then i move here now after i move here um i'm now at the mercy of being confirmed and that can take place within the next 90 days so in the next 90 days um my whole life could be turned around and i could be i could be asked to um or I could be simply have my confirmation denied, and now I have I don't have any place to go. I've left my home. I've left my good job. I don't have anywhere to go from here. It's kind of a risk. It's it's really a risk for these executive director nominees to take on if they feel they had it to be to be in a position such as the treasurer. Um, this goes the same for like uh, our executive director of business. Um, our attorney general, for instance, our last attorney general moved from the other side of the country. And, you know, even that, that was kind of like, you know, there was there some type of anxiety about will I be or not be um, allowed to to stay? You know, will I be confirmed? All those, all those things that have to come into play. And so the Confirmation Act is really unfair in my eyes. On, on how that it's done, um, if it could be revamped, you know, so that so that they didn't have to put their lives on the line, their livelihood on the line, their children's education on the line, you know, it would it would help out a lot. Um, it would help out to get um, qualified individuals into because at the same time, you know, if let's say I wanted to 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 accept a nomination for an executive director and i'm constantly worried about the political standpoints of the nation and and what people are trying to do um behind the scenes and with with um with with uh with the rumors of presidential removal and if that was to take place then all of his executive directors their their jobs would be in jeopardy again you know would they be able to stay would they be asked to leave um they're all they're all appointed so they can all be asked to leave at any given time so these are kind of the things that that weigh heavily on the minds of our executive directors um and then on top of that they're running a department um they're supervising mass number of employees they've got responsibilities in their day-to-day so so this is all this kind of you know and there's no there's no welcome package too once you once you come in you know everything is is tossed at you immediately and, and your staff is looking for answers because they've been without a leader for so long and that's kind of the the name of the name of the game right now it's um uncertainty so but i just kind of wanted to expound a little bit on that and a little bit of my opinion of the confirmation act and and I hope that kind of kind of helps clear things up, or maybe sheds a different light of understanding on why it is so hard for the nation to get qualified individuals into these um, confirmed seats. No, that helps a little bit. I'm pretty sure every, a lot of us are aware of the uh, confirmation process, but um, we still have um, questions asked about the nation's finances, um, and we're left without answers. What can the uh, administration uh, do to try to help us in the in the meantime um, alleviate some of these you know misunderstandings, questions, rumors about some of the things that are going on within our nation financially? 
So that question again, it would it would lead back to the Department of Treasury and uh, and the Treasurer. I'm not even sure, you know, when I'm looking at these documents, I don't even see anything for interim treasurer or acting treasurer. I do see just the word treasurer. I know that in the in the in the U.S. government, um, some of the some of the the decisions or directives that have been handed down from the prior administration um, because they didn't have their confirmation process done by some of their employees. I know that, you know, they're being challenged in court now because there was there was interim interim appointees at different different places in the government. So even that, you know, if, if it if it was to go to um, I guess if the court was to intervene and ask, you know, they might, you know, they might say the same thing. I, you know, I can't speak for them, of course, but who knows what their opinion might be as far as it, them reading the law and, and, and their simple response might be, what does the law say? The law says this. The law says a treasurer. What doesn't the law say? The law doesn't say an interim or acting. So all those kind of questions, you know, need to be kind of answered prior other than that, you know, the tribe is 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 running. It is it is a machine that's that's working. Um, our gaming sites are what produce our revenue, and you know, they've been they've been doing rather well this year. Some of them have been doing better than years prior, and we kind of wonder how can that be when they're not open twenty four hours a day. And I often wondered that. Then I started to think about it and think about the overhead that might have been taking place throughout the overnight, um, the the call for more employees, and maybe there maybe the gaming floor only had a certain amount of 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 gamers out there that really didn't justify the percentage of of incoming money at that time. You know, maybe on a maybe on a Saturday or a weekend, if you know, they, they would have that 24-hour service. Maybe it would, it would remain busy and steady throughout the night. But when we kind of look back on it, it's like, you know, maybe there was. Maybe maybe we were kind of... Um, uh, running a little or, fat. Uh, yeah, running a little fat, or maybe just the hours just weren't justifying the incoming revenue. Um, of course, we wanted to be 24 hours, and I think the goal is still to get to 24 hours. But at the same time, you know, we have to be able to make sure that... Um, we don't we don't overspend by trying to make you know minimal minimal gain. But yeah, that's that's how the from my understanding the the gaming enterprises and the revenue incoming is 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 better than years prior for some locations. And then some locations they just they've you know they've um they've still been doing well. They just um you know. Some of our locations are are remote. I would say, you know. So, you know, and we have to we have to take that into account. We can't just say, "Hey, how come you can't get people in here?" And it's like, well, you know, we're doing our best. We've got our marketing departments out there, you know, making decisions, trying to get um, uh, different promotions out there. But again, you know, it has to do with people and their disposable income at this time. Um, you know, just because, you know. Um, we, we seem like we're out of the pandemic. We're still in it, and I imagine the people out there are not as 
not as risky with their spending of money that are in the in the kind of smaller areas that don't live in a in a in a metropolitan area where the jobs are a little bit easier to come by. So well, there's always that aspect too. Uh, we have to we have to take into consideration. And nevertheless, even even with the with how they're running right now, they're providing jobs. Um, they're providing jobs for tribal members, and they're stimulating those local economies by doing that. So, in the large part, they're they're doing more than what we give them credit for. So, that's kind of my take on the kind of the financial situation of the nation. And and like I said, all those reports they're given um, verbally. Um, uh, they they read over their reports at the monthly um, finance committee meetings, and the, and the public is welcome to listen in, you know, and to listen to how uh, each GM runs their runs their gaming facility. Then I think some every now and then the CFOs they add in um, if there's any questions and answers either by the legislative representatives or the president himself, or even sometimes tribal members will will. Um, will interact and try to ask a few questions and and they're just you know they're just wondering and and more power to them you know the, since we've gone virtual our tribal members have been able to participate a lot more you know tribal members from around the world you know if you're um you know if you're stationed somewhere in the military and maybe you just want to hear voices from home you know wow you know we have a technology that allows it now um even maybe they want to interact and and they should be allowed to i mean they're they're fighting for our country they're fighting for our well-being and here they are you know someplace else and they're able to listen in so you know it's it's really great what we've been able to accomplish by going virtual um i'd hate to see any setbacks that um change that in the future because i believe that um, tribal member participation is key um and in the in the past we never had that you know we had we had the meetings if you couldn't make it to the meeting it was kind of like too bad if you had an opinion um and you wanted to express it you know you would have to go to that meeting and you know some of those some of our tribal members they live in the twin cities they live in chicago we have we have over 250 tribal members that live in california so if they wanted to interact with us you know they would have to come here they'd have to walk in the door and they'd have to go sit down um listen to a, a meeting that might only last from an hour to two hours and then you know then drive back or catch a flight to back to california but now they can they're they can listen in they can interact they can do a lot of things with today's technology so this kind of i know i'm kind of jumping from subject to subject but these opinions i of mine you know i've never been able to voice publicly so. um well i don't want to keep you too much longer but um do you have any final thoughts on where we can go individually the tribal members what they can do to help um in the confirmation process or any other things that we can do to move our nation along I guess just to you know be active in their area meetings just continue um, on what what you've previously been doing as far as you know the, the legislature is um, is, a, is a different branch of government um, and they have their um, reasoning as to confirming and not confirming um, and the people you know they you know from my understanding at different area meetings have requested you know that hey you know we like this individual you know, can he be confirmed? Can she be confirmed? Um, and, you know, the tribal members 
our, our voice and their opinions and a lot of the a lot of the candidates they ran on platforms that said you know i'm going to be the speaker for the people the people are going to have a voice through me and, and you know whether or not they they uphold that that uh statement they made or or not is is up to them it's not up to me or up to the child members that that are attending these meetings it's basically up to them when it comes down to it when it comes down to the when it's time to vote and make these votes but you know like i said i've heard that plenty of times i've attended um different uh forums where where candidates were 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 asked questions and that was one of the major things that I heard was was that hey I'm going to be here I'm going to be speaking for my people I want to represent them in a good way you know a lot of a lot of that stuff and then when it comes down to it the tribal members do express things to them and um they for some you know it kind of seems it seems from the, from the outside looking in that those requests are disregarded and and men maybe so um but as far as interaction, you know, you can always um, talk with the with the, with with the departments that you would if you if there's something that you want to see a change in, I would I would recommend reaching out to those departments, to those department heads, and and to let them know um, those executive directors say, hey, you know, I have I'm having a an issue with um with uh with this particular um, division within your department. And I think that it could be better. And they're gonna listen to your opinion and they might even act on it. Or there might be a legal process that's in place as to why it's that way. There might be, there might be some reasoning there might be some rhyme or reasoning as to why things can change. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it is that in a law that says, "Oh, we have to abide by this in order to facilitate that service for you." But but they're still going to take in your ideas, and they can still then propose to the Department of Justice maybe a possible change in in the current law, or maybe the current law is out of date as far as um, how it applies to people of today and how how society has kind of evolved not so much humans evolving or anything like that but society is changing and and we need to keep current with that too and um, keep current with the different things that come into our come into our world come into our nation and affect our tribal members so so once they once they interact with these executive directors these executive directors if they if they can if they can see that the change is legitimate and and something that's logical, you know, they can approach their assigned attorneys and start drafting, um, you know, a resolution that could lead to a possible law change down the road to help these services for tribal members. But that's kind of that's kind of the best thing a tribal member can do. And then, other than that, you know, then they can also, you know, we encourage them to go to go to the general council meeting um, this year. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how Dane County is going to um, be able to handle it at that time. I know that there's spikes in this Delta variant, um, but then I know that you know they've they've advanced quite a bit in in their testing. They've advanced quite a bit in um, 
and and just different aspects of care for it. But at the same time, it's it's a dangerous thing. You know, we've lost relatives over and time and time again throughout this past few years. And one could say, you know, that's the plan of the, the Almighty. And one could say that, but then there's also that precautionary measure too that that we as human beings need to take. You know, it's like we, you know, we have a responsibility to um, to look after our 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 elders and our children. So there's that aspect, but you know, interact, do do your best to um, to uh, to show up at the area meetings and to and to interact, and that's and then that's only to. Um, that's only available at a certain time. Maybe individuals are at work at that time too. So, if they if they can interact like that, maybe they you know voice it in a form of a memo to a different tribal member to read their opinion or something at an area meeting. These are just ideas, you know. I don't. No, that's a good idea. You know, but I guess that's that's the kind of the only answer I have for that as far as what tribal members can continue doing. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate your time, and um, perhaps we can get back on and talk about uh, federal grants. That would be a good topic for us to hit, I think. Sure. All right. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Um, just want to say, you got anything else for us, or are you done? No, I just wanted to thank you for um, allowing me to talk for a little bit. Um, it's uh, it's it's good. Um, so it's also my clan duty, you know, kind of be informative, be um, to our tribal membership. So um, I'm fine with it, and I'm really, really glad that you let me let me take up a little bit of your day today, and um, or this afternoon, and you know, thank you, thank you All very right. much. Nate Longtail, Office of the President. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Welcome back, everyone. Well, here we are with General Counsel just down the road. I don't have any information on what, where, and when it will be held, but I am looking forward to it. Uh, there was a motion at a recent area meeting asking for a $150 payment to all Ho-Chunk members attending General Counsel. I'm totally opposed to this. We should not be paying our tribal members to perform their civil function. Why stop there, though? You know, maybe we can pay our tribal members to attend area meetings. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Um, come and think of it. The only thing we don't do is pay our tribal members to vote. Uh, think that during the latter period of the Wuhan era, we should seriously rethink a lot of the ways we conduct our civic duties. Number one, let us never entertain the thought of us being paid to vote in any and all elections. Number two never let us pay anyone to attend area meetings anymore and number three let us never pay anyone to attend general council anymore these three activities are civic responsibilities to operate and maintain a democracy we need people to participate freely an educated and active citizenry is the bedrock of our government of any government with the Wuhan virus still a reality and mo meetings being conducted online this has stopped the practice of uh, money being paid to attendees. Now I don't know if we're uh, still we were still doing this because uh, it had been a long time since I've actually showed up at an area meeting, but um, it used to happen and didn't like it then. Don't like it now, um, and I really don't want it to be reinstituted once um, we begin 
going back to uh, actual meetings. But uh, with the online meetings, this has shown everybody that we can conduct business without remuneration. Now, general counsel is a different animal entirely. The financial reward for attend attendance has crept up over the years, and in full disclosure, I've waited in that line for Majuda just like everyone else every time I attended. But this has to stop. We have to stop paying people to perform their civic function, and we have to stop the various departments at General Counsel from handing out swag. Swag is a silly waste of departmental money. If these departments want to promote and advertise what they do, send out emails or be a lot more active on social media. Well, one of the reasons we used to pay people to attend General Counsel is with the help and with uh, fuel and hotel costs. Now, if you put $3 a week into a piggy bank and save from one general counsel to the next, there you go. You got 150 bucks. Now, if you save $4 a week, you got $200. General counsel, the reason we have it is to conduct uh, tribal governmental business. We as a nation, we kick the legislature around when uh, they, don't do, they don't act on our resolutions. Rev resolutions. But uh, we want to be at our general council around 6 uh, p.m. every year. Well, three minutes per individual to discuss important issues and 15 minutes of total discussion time on an issue. That's, uh, that's not a lot of time to, to think about uh, issues with long-term ramifications. Um, case in point, when we um, got rid of the general council agency, uh, we didn't do a lot of thinking of what happened when we got rid of it. Um, and now, come back around to bite us as the legislature's kind of stepped into that vacuum. So, we're going to need more than 15 minutes. When we gather at general counsel, we got to, you know, everybody's got to put their big boy and big girl pants on and be, be prepared to discuss these issues at length and in depth. Uh, I remember being there till one o'clock in the morning sometimes because we had to get through the agenda. We just didn't uh, stop. We didn't, you know, have ten items on the agenda and uh, stop at item six because it was uh, five o'clock. We all wanted to go home. No, we finished everything on the agenda. This um, general counsel, it's an equal arm of the government. It's executive judiciary legislative and general counsel we got to take this more seriously um, we don't gather for swag a meal and cash we gather to discuss the future of our nation let's stop paying ourselves to perform our civic responsibilities let us show our children that general counsel and area meetings are where adults go to help guide the whole chunk nation in a direction that we want it to go Welcome back, everyone. Well, here we are with General Counsel just down the road. I don't have any information on what, where, and when it'll be held, but I am looking forward to it. Uh, there was a motion at a recent area meeting asking for a $150 payment to all Ho-Chunk members attending General Counsel. I'm totally opposed to this. We should not be paying our tribal members to perform their civil function. Why stop there, though? You know, maybe we can pay our tribal members to attend area meetings. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Um, come and think of it, the only thing we don't do is pay our tribal members to vote. 
think that during the latter period of the Wuhan era, we should seriously rethink a lot of the ways we conduct our civic duties. Number one, let us never entertain the thought of us being paid to vote in any and all elections. Number two, never let us pay anyone to attend area meetings anymore. And number three, let us never pay anyone to attend general council anymore. These three activities are civic responsibilities. To operate and maintain a democracy, we need people to participate freely. An educated and active citizenry is the bedrock of our government, of any government. With the Wuhan virus still a reality and meetings being conducted online, this has stopped the practice of uh, money being paid to attendees. Now, I don't know if we were, uh, still, we were still doing this, because uh, it had been a long time since I've actually showed up at an area meeting. But um, it used to happen, and didn't like it then, don't like it now. Um, and I really don't want it to be reinstituted once um, we begin going back to um, actual meetings. But uh, with the online meetings, this has shown everybody that we can conduct business without remuneration. Now, general counsel is a different animal entirely. The financial reward for attend attendance has crept up over the years, and in full disclosure, I've waited in that line for Majuda just like everyone else every time I attended. But this has to stop. We have to stop paying people to perform their civic function, and we have to stop the various departments at general counsel from handing out swag. Swag is a silly waste of departmental money. If these departments want to promote and advertise what they do, send out emails or be a lot more active on social media. Well, one of the reasons we used to pay people to attend general councils was to help in, with uh, fuel and hotel costs. Now, if you put $3 a week into a piggy bank and save from one general council to the next, there you go. You got 150 bucks. Now, if you save $4 a week, you got $200. General council... The reason we have it is to conduct uh, tribal governmental business. We, as a nation, we kick the legislature around when uh, they don't do, they don't act on our resolutions. Rev resolutions, but uh, we want to be at our general council around six uh, p.m. every year. Well, three minutes per individual to discuss important issues and fifteen minutes of total discussion time on an issue. That's. Uh, it's not a lot of time to, to think about uh, issues with long-term ramifications. Um, case in point, when we um, got rid of the general counsel agency, uh, we didn't do a lot of thinking of what happened when we got rid of it. Um, and now, come back around to bite us as the legislature's kind of stepped into that vacuum. So, we're going to need more than 15 minutes when we gather at general council we got to you know everybody's got to put their big boy and big girl pants on and be, be prepared to discuss these issues at length and in depth uh i remember being there until one o'clock in the morning sometimes because we had to get through the agenda we just didn't uh stop we didn't you know have 10 items on the agenda and uh stop at item six because it was uh five o'clock we all wanted to go home no we finished everything on the agenda this um, general council it's an equal arm of the government 
it's executive, judiciary, legislative, and general counsel. We got to take this more seriously. Um, we don't gather for swag, a meal, and cash. We gather to discuss the future of our nation. Let's stop paying ourselves to perform our civic responsibilities. Let us show our children that general counsel and area meetings are where adults go to help guide the whole chunk nation in a direction that we want it to go.